Welcome everybody to Culture Uncorked. Today we have a really special guest. Lauren and I are super excited about this. Uh, we would like to welcome today Joan Hertz, Chair of Alberta Treasury Branch Financial and sits on many different boards uh, throughout the Edmonton and Alberta area. And I just want to ask you, Joan, recently you were the CEO, the interim CEO of Norquest College. Yeah. And I'm sure you learned a fair bit while you were there and that you're going to take to the board uh, of governance moving forward. But can you tell us a little bit about where did you grow up? Where are you from originally? How did you get to be where you are today? Uh, winding path, but not really. So born and raised in Edmonton and uh, went away to university, actually. I went away to Washington, D.C., to Georgetown University and got a Bachelor of Science in Foreign Service. And as much as that was amazing, especially based on what was happening last night, um, how fascinating American politics is, it also made me realize how much I love Edmonton, how much I love Alberta. So I ended up coming back here and, uh, and stayed in Edmonton and went to law school. And after being a lawyer for about 10 years, uh, got pulled into uh, bigger organizations in either as corporate counsel or strategy or whatever, and uh, never really left the law though. I still do a fair amount of like corporate commercial law. And I think that was a bit of the basis for me getting involved in boards and just started meeting people. And it just kind of grows from there. So much of it is network. And just falling into things, I think being lucky and truthfully having really great mentors, like having yeah. really great mentors. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think maybe luck has a little bit to do with it, but let's be honest. I mean, it's it's all about what's up here as well, right? So they say. You know, I've been doing it all this time. You know, just to build, just to, just to build on that on your journey, uh, you know, you're the chair of the number one place to work in Canada um atb financial and uh um, that yeah and and really you know an, an amazing organization and a and a um bellwether company in Canada and alberta and then you're on the um, edmonton international airport board i believe on the covenant yeah. health board yeah um and you teach uh governance at the ic.d program had the uh privilege of being taught uh by you and Stuart mckellar um on that issue you've won yeah. governance awards um for the governance committees you've been on and organizations and um and then if i google uh and understand correctly in addition to playing soccer and being a mom of uh, <laughs> and uh, doing all the stuff that you do you're also the real estate broker in atlanta and a phd in hicksville new york Is that yeah, <laughs> those would be my evil twins. You know, Lauren. Everybody has an evil twin on Google, but I can blame for all the bad stuff, right? Oh, I, I was googling you. And I was like, Holy cow! What you doing in Hicksville? And, no, uh, that is not me. I am not a realtor in the United States. Okay. Yet. Anyway, we seriously though, um, kind of building on Lisa's kind of. Um, uh, sort of opening kind of gambit into uh, an extension of who you are is the these leadership roles that you play. And uh, and I had a chance, you know, to work with you when you were uh, on the board at um, uh, at ATB and watch you work as a, as a board member. And then I had the really great uh, uh, opportunity to work, you know, uh, for you at uh, when you were interim CEO at Norquist. And I, I was a really was really neat to see you operate. What did you learn? Um, 
when you came, when you went to have to go from a governance position into the CEO position, what did you learn about about being a better board chair and a board member because of that? Well, I think the first and most important thing is management is always right and the board should just get out of their way <laughs> when I was CEO. And then, of course, on the board, the board is always right. No, I'm just kidding. But, you know, it gives you a real, quite honestly, it does give you a really healthy walking a mile in someone else's shoes is always the best experience to to make you stronger in your role. But, you know, in a lot of ways, they're similar. I think your job as a CEO is not to know everything and do everything. And your job as a board chair is not to know everything and do everything. I think your job is to try and gather the people around you that have the richness of diverse perspectives and intelligence and bring the greatest minds and different ways of doing something to a problem or to an organization and try and get the most out of them. So in some ways, Lauren, it wasn't that different because I walked in luckily to a really talented executive team. And I can say that because one of them was you. Um, <laughs> but there was a lot of things underway and you kind of have to sort of come in. You're going to lead something, especially as an interim CEO. Like you're walking in to lead something that's already kind of underway. Like they're on chapter 13 and I can't really walk in and say, well, no, we're going to rewrite chapters 1 through 12. It's yeah. more of how do I how do I fit into this thing and try and help you guys be the best that you can be and uh, some of that's push and some of that's pull right so that that uh getting to that how do you push people to be their best and how do you get yourself pulled along to uh to let them show you you know sometimes you maybe wonder around whether we should automatically make all interim all ceos interim hmm. because you know there's kind of an interesting thing that happens with that perspective right because when you walk in with, with feeling like, you know, you've got to really uh, step in and allow people to really flourish, uh, it puts you in that full support, coaching, kicking things out of the way role, yeah. as opposed to feeling so compelled to come up with all, as so many of the answers or the guiding lights. But anyway, it's something to think about. Uh, and Lisa, jump in whenever you can. But Joan, you know, when you're um, on a board and when you and you don't have a chance, right? Because you get there typically, you know, you, as a chair, you might get there a little bit more often. But you tend to see things in quarterly chunks a lot, right? Or yeah, in, yeah. And you don't. You're not there all the time, and management's there all the time. What are the things that really make your antenna go positively? And what are the things that you've learned that your antenna goes off where you go, "Uh oh, I have to. I need to learn more about that." What are some of the acute listing antennas working for you on both sides? Um, I think a lot of it, it's odd, but a lot of it is with anything. It's not the thing, it's the people. And so if the, the people that are the management team that are reporting to the board or sharing their presentations and their challenges with the board, um, the thing that sets me off in a worry way is if someone comes in and says, everything's great, like we're just, we're doing nothing but making money here. Everything's perfect. Everyone's happy. Like I cannot tell you how great things are. And these are the three things that we need to do. And I strongly recommend that we do them and they sit down. Um, yeah. You think that that would, you think that would charge a board. Um, but in fact, it doesn't because number one, that that's never true. Right. Like if we're if everything's that great, then you don't know what's going on. Right. Yeah. Spend yeah. five minutes around the water cooler and there's something that we could be working on. And I think the other thing is it shows like sort of the more a board can see a little bit of vulnerability 
and see a little bit of variability, then they see a place where they can bring value. So oddly, the, the things that worry me are when, a, when I see a presentation that's just either the recommendations fully baked or there's absolutely nothing wrong, nothing to see here, we got this, um, you know, a little pat on the headboard, don't worry, versus someone who comes in and says, actually, we're doing some pretty cool stuff on this. We're pretty proud of these three things and we think we're really doing well in this space. We got some ways to go on this. So if you've got some experience on that, please share it with me or challenge me. This is what I think is going to happen in the economy. Like, are you with me? Because your board spends like 20 hours a year, as I think you were starting to get to. Like we spend very few hours a year on what it is that management does. Management spending thousands of hours a year yeah. on it. So we shouldn't come in and be the experts, but we might have something to offer. We might have something to add. There might be some perspective that that we could bring that would make you think about it differently or make you think, could we do this bigger? Could we do this, you know, as you and I like to say, exponentially bigger? Those yeah. are the kinds of things that when we get into those kinds of conversations, now I'm excited. Now you got a board excited and engaged, right? Yeah, that, that, that's a really helpful insight. And so Lisa, were you going to jump in? Yeah, I was going to say, it's not always about having the answer, but it's about igniting the creativity in something. Because what you say might actually bring the the rest of the team together and go, oh, I never thought of it that way. How about if we look at this problem or this solution yeah. this way based off of what you said? And it might not have been the right answer, but it definitely ignited something in the, the team to activate something new and different. But even you saying team, like sometimes you'll have a presentation and it's I this and I that and I'm going to this and I'm going to that. And that's another alarm bell. Hey, Lauren, like we've talked about this before and and you and we need to catch ourselves because it shouldn't be an I even in what we're doing as leaders. It's always about the team and it's always about where we think we can take it and what do we think we can do. And I think one of the the, the most telling elements of success for for boards and for leaders and the culture at that at those sort of higher levels is if everyone has their eyes solidly on something higher than all of us. So, you know, we've talked about it being purpose, we've talked about it being culture, we've talked about it being something that is the reason why we're all in the room, the thing that we're all pushing towards, the thing that pulls us together, it's got to be something bigger than all of us. And it shouldn't be the advancement of me or the advancement of, of that management manager or that board member or whatever. It's about something bigger and we're all, and that's when it's magic, right? And that, Lauren, you did that so well at the two organizations that we got to work together in different ways. Um, just bringing that to the forefront, that it's actually, it's about something way bigger than all of us and how you get everyone excited about that. Yeah, and like you say, it always is about the we, right? Because in both of those places, you know, you're arm in arm with all these other people that are, that you're filling each other's spaces and and helping each other out. And um, and then you all of a sudden, you can, like you say, sometime when you get the purposes right, you find the magic. And that's when it gets to be mm -hmm. so much fun. Hey. Or when, or when the crap hits the fan, or when the like crap happened to us this spring. So, what became the most important thing for us, Lauren, was you know what are our values? Like when you're back up against the wall, and what kind of culture do you have to stand on? What kind, like, is everybody united with you? Because it get it got pretty scary, right? It got yeah. pretty uncertain there for every organization, right? It is ever still is for some, right? Like still really is. We're in it. Yeah. So, Joan, that, that's, you know, that's a good segue to ask you then. So what keeps you up at night right now? 
Well, I think we're all really concerned about economic recovery in the province of Alberta. Um, we are, uh, uh, we have, all of the world has suffered from a reduction in demand, but I think particularly in energy, the slowdown in the economy has resulted in a reduction in demand for energy at the same time as there's been an incredible reduction in the price of oil. And uh, these things combined with uh, the economy having to be either slowed down or shut down in Alberta has caused significant difficulty for a lot of um, people and businesses in, in Edmonton because behind it in Alberta, sorry, and behind every business is a person. So let's be honest, this is affecting people. Yeah. So what keeps me up at night is, um, you know, just our pathway out of that and how we are going to, I, I believe, I am still optimistic that we are on a pathway out of that. And it, what keeps me up is, are we doing enough to work together to try and help drive that recovery in the province? Yeah. Uh, well, um, question for us. Yeah, um, no, no. And then we'll get to you, Lauren. Any tips on participating in committees remotely, getting ready to work on some bylaw revisions? I'm assuming Weldon's getting ready to work on some bylaw revisions. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully not me. I, <laughs> <laughs> I love those bylaw revisions, hey? We all love those. I just I am doing some of that too, actually. And trying to trying here, it's a really great question. Because trying to engage all different levels of people that so bylaws in particular so you might have a board that completely understands why you need to change the bylaws and they get a draft out there and they can't figure out why the membership hasn't just signed off on it because it makes perfect sense right so i think the big thing is getting to the why like really being super clear about the why and over communicating on the rationale and the general reason for bylaw change because that's really what your broader group is going to be concerned about and even your smaller group of board if they understand the why they'll be far more willing to let one or two people kind of run with what the words say if they more clearly understand well what why are we doing this and what are we trying to get at and reassure me that i'm not losing any power control ground you know on that bylaw change so that is one way and then the other i'm finding any big thing like whether it's bylaw or board meeting any sort of big issue that you have to talk about we're having to carve out a little extra time before the actual meeting starts to have informal conversation because you can't just walk in like we are right now and just start doing business like people like in the normal course we used to kind of have an informal conversation and what did you think of the materials geez i thought they were on point but i'm having trouble with b and c right then you have those sort of informal conversations so one suggestion i have that we're trying to do is actually schedule that time so 45 minutes the night before with the ceo and the board to actually have some informal conversation and it's not how are the kids you can do that too like that would be and after that's over have the personal conversation but a little more informal free flow dialogue to try and get that conversation going so you can get your business done when you sit down in your business meetings. Which oh, really great, a lot great, great. Oh, Holy sorry. God. I was just gonna say that really just fosters more transparency amongst the group as well, right? And and more of like Lauren and our work, more of a sense of belonging. Um it's such great advice. Yeah, it's such great it's really I mean it sounds yeah. like you, you know it, it would happen more naturally, right? Joan, you have that board dinner the night before. Well typically we're not having those board dinners the night before. No. And if you don't build it in, then how does it happen? And I know you just got me thinking, I'm on a board too. And I was thinking, gosh, you know, I miss those informal, you know, little runway time. 
because otherwise the agenda starts at eight and you finish at three thirty, and it's like whoa, you know, yeah. eight hundred pages of reading. And uh, so I want to ask around uh, everywhere I go, Joan, um, and I'm asking this in the spirit of a board uh, member or chair like you are mm-hmm. that is anxious about risk. Uh, the fiduciary responsibility of that and the organization sustaining itself right so yeah your antenna needs to be up around those things as a board member and and uh, you hear the question around we're exhausted right so in the informal conversations you know people don't aren't as explicit about that with you because they don't want to you know sometimes they're not they don't want to make themselves that vulnerable in front of members but if you look around you know everywhere people are tired there's the stress of covid and um, and uh, and this exhaustion but you're the board chair and you don't want to interfere with the running of the business, but you're aware. How do you bring that to the table? What's the balance between getting in the, in the management side and running the business and being on the board side so you can show compassion and care, but you don't run into operating issues? Mm-hmm. Well, I think there's a few things in there. One is if, just even you identifying it as a risk in your head or in your heart as you're reading the materials or as you're listening to people and you can sense that, I think you have, that is as real a risk as a, as a financial risk is. Like this is these, your assets are your people, your most important assets. And so if those assets are being stretched too far that, and you haven't managed it, then I think you're, that's on you as a board chair and as a leader, have that conversation with your CEO like being more, I think, way more attentive to have people taking their holidays because people aren't taking their holidays now because they can't go anywhere. Yeah. But And so it, it actually becomes that you have to sort of mandate people to take a breather. So I think it's incumbent on board chairs and boards to have that conversation with their HR chair or with their, uh, or sorry, their HR lead for management or the CEO to say, what is the report? Like, are people taking their holidays? How? What is the mental health check-in of our of our most important asset, our people, right? And I think also when I hear um, people are exhausted, I think that's a given. Like, I don't know who isn't feeling it. Like, if you're, if any of us have been in this, nobody's not been in it since March. Some of us have had bigger challenges than others, and some of us have different capacities to handle it than others. So why don't we just all forgive each other right now for the whoopsie. So I think it's almost one of those, like, let's give each other a little little forgiveness and a little compassion and a little, you know, wow, Lauren was a little short with me in that meeting. Eh, let it go, it's COVID, right? Instead of we need to investigate and have a discipline and whatever, like I think some of it is is tone at the top, really trying to just lead with a bit of compassion, forgiveness for that. But then also saying, well, then take a break. Take yeah. a breather, tap out. I mean, maybe I need a breather. Maybe you need a breather. There's no there's no hero badges awarded for not taking a break, right? Yeah, and like Weldon just said, our group is fried. I'm hearing that everywhere, and it's a given. And, and the end with that is I love to hear that board members and board chairs like you are compassionate and legitimately help management, not to tell them how to, but to ask the question to help them have the, you know, make the right kind of choices to make to address it and i think that's that's great i think the other thing that popped into my head lauren when you mentioned risk too and i don't want to forget to mention it and i've had to do this a few times uh on all the boards that i'm on so 
in one side of our mouth, boards are saying, but we want management to go easy on themselves and, and take a break, whatever. And in the other side of our mouth, we're asking for six iterations of the budget, four scenarios, and what are my 22 new risks? And how do I know? And what do you think that does to a management team? Like they're already staying up all night worrying about the 462 things. Now, maybe you've thought about one that they haven't, and that's of value to them. So let's by all means talk about it at the board meeting. But think about the level of stress that you're passing on to the board and the amount or to the management team and the amount of additional homework that you're giving your management team with the questions that you're asking. I'm really cognizant of that. So I work with the leader, either the CEO or the lead of um, the CFO, whatever role I'm in to say, what are you guys doing for scenario planning and where can the board add value? Yeah. Instead of yeah. the board's got these 64 worries. Well, you know, let's talk about it at the meeting then. Let's let management say, well, I think board's going to be curious about this and they're going to be worried about that and 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 not give them additional work. So I would just be another caution on us. Like, what are we doing as leaders? Because we're worried and then we just pass it on down. That doesn't help. Yeah. Sometimes I think um, I, I'm not sure. I think boards forget um, and management both forget sometimes, but the amount of time that I see management teams preparing for board meetings is unbelievable. Yeah. Like people work hours and hours for those four to eight hour meetings. And, yeah. you know, and it's always board chairs are always trying to find what's the right value to bring and management doesn't over kind of inform or get, you know, it's just, it's a really interesting kind of a balancing act, isn't it? Yeah. Um, or how much of that is. So they spend all that time preparing and then they just present for 45 minutes and then time's up. So yeah. how much value did management get from the board? So it's really important for all of us to still, you got to prepare uh, maybe even more in COVID. We have to be even more prepared because we have to understand what's happening in or our organization, other organizations and the broader world, and then be able to come and have a real discussion about it and actually try and bring value to, to each other, to management and to each other to, again, for that higher purpose, what are we trying to do here for the organization? Yeah. Just to go back, at least jump in when you can, but, um, I, you know, both of you and I, and I won't mention his name, although we, <laughs> everybody might know, we, we both kind of had the opportunity to do a little bit of tutelage of a pretty seasoned board chair that will occasionally was known to give board members feedback. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And uh, when do you as a board chair – uh, when do you see uh, well-intended board member behavior that needs some nudging from you that you find some quiet time to maybe help them reflect and learn and grow? What 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 is the behavior that kind of you watch for and you help to nudge? You know, I think it's more often than not. Um, everyone's very well-meaning and yeah. everyone has uh, has read the stuff and prepared and tries to bring their best self. But sometimes we're best selves at operations. No one like to know. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. I think we're, you know what? Everybody's comfort zone is operations, Lauren. So maybe that's you, Joe. Look in the mirror, buddy. No. Um, it's so much easier to come in and ask uh, a subject kind of uh, um, operational question. I see on page 64 that we're 20% down in whatever. Why is that? So that's an operational question. That's probably one that your management team asked each other before they came to the board meeting. So 
what I sometimes find myself, you're asking when I would be nudging and giving a board member suggestion would be, I don't think that that's something that they didn't consider. You have to try and think of the question that is gold. So instead, think yourself, what are the reasons why that could be down 20%? Look at three or four peers as to why it might be down 20%. Think about whether, why are we even talking about that at all when we heard at the strategic retreat that we really want to get out of this line of business? Whatever, you've got to elevate your thinking to be more three to five years. And, you know, great board members don't just come up with a question on the fly, very rarely. Great board members have given it an awful lot of thought, probably a fair amount of research, and then they actually craft a question that they think will really get management to go, hmm. Mm-hmm. And so that that's advice that I find myself yeah, giving some of our really smart board members who've been amazing CEOs and they come in and ask a CEO operational question, but management already thought of that. We gotta, we gotta bring it somewhere else. Well, I think Weldon is agreeing that he's, te- he's saying that he's going to have to go do a preliminary board meeting just to get everything on the table and explain first. About it, right? And or how do we then say at the beginning of the board meeting as a group, what are the key issues we got to get to today? Like we've got an agenda here with a whole bunch of fiduciary oversight stuff that we got to do. Let's make sure we do an excellent job of that because that's our job. But the other part of our job is what are the key issues that we should not walk out of here without talking about? And then make sure that our agenda looks like that. Now, you should be doing that in advance when you're forming the agenda, but things happen. And maybe in that pre-informal conversation that's the kind of conversation you're having so that we uh, the things bubble up and sometimes the urgent is not the important right something that's urgent we actually could just empower management and say yeah i get you're worried about that and we trust you guys here's our you know thoughts on that takes five minutes and instead what are we going to do next year now that we're in the pandemic what about three years from now are we still going to be relevant you know like that I think that's the purview of the board and that's that's the hard thing as a director and you got to put different hats on like you said Lauren so we come in as CEO when you're doing an operational role it's different you still want to be big picture but you have to get you have to execute you have to understand what your plan is and you have to execute that's more your ambit is management board you got to get up at that strategy level where should we go and are we are the things we're doing going to get us there you know I think that- the things I just wanted to build on is that, from, and I and I appreciate this both from a director point of view and, and, and a management point of view. Management loves board members that ask those questions. Right. That helpful way make you go, oh shit, that yeah. is a good question. Like, I mean, they're all good questions, but there are those that are like, hmm. Yeah. Um, and everybody, you can feel the room kind of move with that, you know, take that question on. And then, so that's such a good indicator and it's a good challenge for aspirational challenge for for directors and also for management to really listen for those phenomenal questions well and make sure that you've set the board up to even ask that kind of a question so if there's no vulnerability you know how are they supposed to find out how they could add value you know like like i i have to tell you honestly that i that i loved our board meetings at um that atb like i looked forward to them i i you know, I always knew that the board was there and the appropriate governance thing, so the respect was there. But I yeah. never felt like the board was going to try to, quote, out to get you or catch you. Right. It was about how we could co-create, and, and, it was, and the board was there to be helpful. Some boards, though, have quite an acrimonious uh, relationship with, with uh, 
man. Not it's not acrimonious always, but it's like almost competitive. Or w- what's the difference? What? How do you get from one to the other? Well, it's I over and over again. Healthy challenge. Healthy challenge. So it, you really need a good uh, board management team has healthy challenge coming. But um, management doesn't feel beat up. They feel challenged. There's a big difference. And I also think there that is the role of a good committee chair or a good board chair is you'll have that tennis game where uh, management feels a little bit they've heard the board really wants them to this and they've heard the board really wants them to that. And they're just looking at the ball going back and forth and they're not sure where it lands. So a, a strong committee chair or board chair needs to summarize that up at the end and say, I think you heard healthy challenge on this, but board members, you're with management going forward that they continue to do this and you get a few nods. And if you don't get that as a management team, man, it's hard. You walk out of a board meeting and you're like, I have no idea if I'm coming or going. Sounds like they don't like, you know, take culture work, right, Lauren? So you're coming in as chief people officer and everybody says, why are we spending all this time on culture? And I need to know whether it's going to drive productivity and are we measuring how many hours people are changed to their desks? And, you know, you get all those questions and you walk out going, do they even get what I'm trying to do here? So you need somebody and you can't do it as management. So I think that's our job as board members, either as the chair or committee chair or even a board member that's just listening. Those are the hugely valuable board members to me are the ones that listen and then sum up. And more often than not, it's me as chair, but I love it when we have those those board members that see it themselves and they say, I don't know, I've listened to all this and I think that the board's leaning more to do what you need to do, Lauren, we're supporting you, you know, like that. Yeah. And you yeah. know, as a manager, how how helpful that is to go back out and, and fire uh-huh. up your engines again, right? Yeah, no, I think sometimes board members forget. And uh, I try to remind myself when I get on the, when I'm at the board is that how encouragement, that you wanna be challenged, but when you get board member, when you get yeah. board member encouragement, like it, it it fuels you. It really does because you're there to you want to do a great job, right? You know, yeah. and, and um, not not well, enough. Like somebody yeah. mentioned like management teams are exhausted. Yeah, this is a really did like there's no business that's exempt from how difficult it is right now. And so healthy challenge, yeah, but there better be some cheerleading. Like yeah. there better be some supportive conversation in those in those meetings, and not just board meetings, like all leadership meetings. Like we need to. We need to support people and pump tires a little bit and and give praise out more than you normally do. Joan, I was going to ask you, so for those of those who are watching who don't sit on boards, and we talked a little bit about this pre-show, what if you were to wave a magic wand and describe to them how they could step up to the challenge, what would those aptitudes and attitudes look like? Aptitudes and attitudes to uh, trying to get on, involved in boards. Exactly. Exactly. If you were to wave your magic wand and say, "This was the ideal board member that I would like on my team," what do, what does that person look like? Well, that's really. In fact, uh, I'd have to express twelve of them because they're truthfully because. Yeah. You know what I hope to have on the board is somebody, let's say, with uh, executive management experience that has had a few um, challenges in business and had to manage with a unionized environment and worked out kinks in a large IT transformation, you know, so you might want some people like that. But then you also need some people that just really see the world differently from them. And might even be diverse in terms of gender or racial background or age, like that kind of different kind of thinking 
where they walk in and say, that'll never fly. Like people will just not do that. You know, so this person is telling you, oh yeah, you just tell them to do it and they'll do it. This person's saying, you can tell people all you want. They're never going to do it, you know, and yeah. having, so I can't even describe for you the perfect board member because it's probably, there's so many personas and it kind of yeah. depends on what the strategy and the need of that organization is. But I would say if you flip it on the other side, the, the every single board member that brings value for me does an awful lot of thinking. Yeah. Like the most important thing that board members do that are doing it well, they do an awful lot of thinking. And it's a bit of what I was talking about earlier, like you're preparing and you're over preparing and that's reading and that's leaning back and looking out at the sky and thinking, cause that's the thing that management does not have time to do. And more often than not, if someone is just interested in a company or an organization, and they've leaned back and done some deep thinking about it. If you think about it, Lauren, that's how you ended up getting involved on some of the boards that you're on too, I'm sure. And same for me is I end up talking to a leader in the organization and I say, have you guys ever thought about doing yeah. this and this? And then they go, we need someone with your kind of thinking here. So yeah. it's it's sometimes just looking at it differently and showing that you could bring value in thinking and looking at a problem differently. Cause that's, well, that's really how you help innovate, right? Yeah, and and you know it's really what happens in the entrepreneurial space, right? Is we end up creating our advisory boards um, that really do encompass exactly what you're talking about. Is think differently, allow us to be creative in the moment, be able to look at problems differently, solutions differently, activate those triggers. Um, yeah. No different than what happens at a board level, just in a different environment. And oddly, it's not like a lot of times people say, oh, you probably first got on boards because you're a lawyer. And, you know, I have friends that first got on boards because they're an accountant or whatever. I think that might get you on your first board. Yeah. I don't think it would get you renewed. I think yeah. what what gets you renewed and gets you onto your next board is um, curiosity and and being a person that says yes. And so, yeah. you know it's really important that we have compliance. It's really important to have lawyers and accountants and, and engineers. And we even have boards that have those requirements, but the types of lawyers and accountants and engineers that are invited back for the second term are the ones that are curious and are the ones that are, are really far more trying to drive that. Yes. And, and let me learn more about this and how can I bring my expertise and say, well, I, we wouldn't normally have done it that way. Let me scare you a little bit with compliance because that's my job, but let me understand how I can enable you to do this differently. So yeah. that's my suggestion. Yeah. I love that you said curiosity because I think curiosity, you know, curiosity didn't kill the cat, but it definitely built a better mousetrap. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Like, and so curiosity yeah. is the key to everything. Truly. Um, Lauren, you were going to say something I can tell by the look on your face. <laughs> yeah. No, I was thinking about um, this idea about, although they're different in terms of their governance responsibilities, but I think advisory boards are great places to practice and to really go and hone your, uh, you know, it, it's really challenging to get on a public board these days. Very challenging. And, and they, you know, and it should be, it should be. And I do think um, not everybody can afford it, uh, but I do want to put in a, a plug for the IC.D program. Um, you know, there are some real skills and 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 uh, governance things to learn. Um, and partly you can learn from experience, but sometimes you just have to in, in, invest in it at the same time. So 
it's that combination, but it's like everything else. You got to get in and be a, a, be a member, a board member and, and yeah. try it out. Well, I think the practical, you know, a lot of the boards that I uh, cut my teeth on were just things that I cared about and was volunteering on. And that's the best way to get it. Cause then it doesn't, again, it doesn't feel like work cause you're learning. And I learned more from trying to work on, you know, school councils and, and community lead boards, extremely complex because not one person in that room has a torn to a governance system. They just mm. came in with their opinion and their way their process and everyone's going to do their own thing. So where do you learn more about how to try and get all of us aligned to a singular purpose and try and, you know, maneuver through that, that those are the most complex ones, right? Yeah. As, as a woman who sat on, on school boards, um, yeah. that are volunteer, you definitely learn how to cut your teeth there. There's <laughs> But I think then people say, well, how do I go from those? I get that question. How do you go from those, as you say, Lauren, to like graduate if you want to keep getting. So what I suggest to people is try and get involved in a not-for-profit board that actually has um, so a government grant or some sort of larger uh, funder outside that they have uh, they have to demonstrate compliance to and it just elevates it to be more of a governance board because as soon as you have all of those all that compliance starts to feel a little bit like a shareholder and then you start to get used to oh so we have quarterly fiduciary responsibilities to meet our grant agreement obligations and annual reporting and whatever and then you start to understand your role versus management's role and how you can add value and think ahead to when that funding might end and all those things so that's sort of like i think the next step is that and those add just as much complexity as many of the public boards and corporate boards yeah here is what well just said that have been part of some great board members over the years, right? And hey, so you know what? Um, for the first time, Deloitte said, I think in 2019 was the first year more CEOs got fired mm-hmm. for um, culture issues than financial performance issues. Is that a blimp? Is that a as is that a trend that's going to continue? Um, you know, how how do you think about it? I think it's a trend that's going to continue. I mean, we. You know, Lauren, we dealt with lots of really challenging things, even just over the spring seven months that we had together, right? I think that more and more there's heightened sensitivity uh, to cultural issues. There's heightened sensitivity to human issues. Really, really high sensitivity. That's not going away anytime soon. And so all the more reason why you have to have a really good process, like really good. You just, you have to have good governance. You have to have good process. But it's useless to you if you don't have good people. And if you don't, if you aren't first checking yourself against your values and what's the right thing to do, like the process can tell you all the things that you need to jump through, but how you do it is is all about your values and your ethics. And whether you're, again, what's more important, the, the goals of this organization or my advancement or my protection or my fiefdom, right? And that, so I don't think that's going to stop because a lot of what drove us for success is changing, yeah. right? Yeah. And COVID, I think, is is something that's not going to undo that. A lot of the things that that people are driven by and success is defined by, you know, we got uh, the Larry Fink letter, we got ESG, we got all. It's just a it's a changing world of profit and purpose, right? Which I think is a positive, but yeah. also you're going to see some of the people that are not maybe on that 
bandwagon not not being invited to stay. Yeah. So we, generally, we are, we're getting close to, to closing up. So oh. um, we have a hard hard stop in in five minutes. So ask away, Lauren. I'm so curious about Generation Z. I love millennials. Mm -hmm. I love every generation. I'm so interested in Generation Z and the generation after that, um, like my 13-year-old grandson. And I saw on Netflix, I saw the way these kids on this one uh, um, uh, show where they were, these there was about a th 13 and 14-year-old kids communicating, multi-communication on multi uh, platforms at the same time. And then you've got board members that tend to be later in their career, right? They tend to be, not always. Yeah. And you're, you're starting to see. And so what's your, I mean, how current do you expect your board members to be? Like, I mean, do you expect them to be, know what TikTok is and on it or what the, and they're, I mean, I mean, I, you know, should they know what do, the donut app is in Slack or whatever? Do you expect that out of your board members? I suppose it depends on the board. Um, you know, an organization like ATB, if we are really doing a lot of things at the cutting edge of technology and trying to engage with all customers. So we better have an idea of what our customers want and our customers include young people that are on TikTok. And even if you don't understand how every single one of them works, you need to understand that that's how that generation engages. Right. And if you don't, you know, so to have to have, do you have to have played on TikTok? No, but you have to know what it is and that that's really how they engage and how they get their information and how they, it's not just entertainment for a lot of them. It's actually how they find out what's going exactly. on. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. exactly. It's crazy. I like, you know, they're like this and you're thinking, what are you doing? But they're, you know, their their mind works differently because they are just so used to technology in ways that we can't even begin to imagine because we just yeah. didn't have that as kids. But I again, mean, why the Atari, right? Going back and totally. forth, we hit the gold mine. <laughs> totally, but that's why we can't. I think there's a benefit of both. There's a benefit if you look at the the really agile, fast. Uh, some of the biggest companies in North America, all the ones that are popping into your head that are in the IT sphere and own the world. If you look at their boards and their board meetings, they're actually quite, um, as you say, Lauren, at the end of their career type people with sort of a solid background, real strong fiduciary, look at things, slow down, let's just take a look at this thing. And they're not full of like, you know, Jeff Bezos isn't on his own board, you know, like it, it's a, yeah. uh, it is a different. So the job of the board member is to be curious and to understand those things, but it's okay to say, help me understand how quickly we should do this. Help me understand why you think this is the thing we should invest in. Right. So, but on the culture side, how we engage with the younger generations and how we make sure that they that we're creating a workplace and uh, an organization that they're going to want to spend their career with. Wow, that's a huge challenge. I put that back on you. There's, you're the chief people officer culture guy, but that's, that's a huge challenge, right? It is. I'm, I'm gonna duck it for a minute because we got two minutes left and then Lisa always does the closing one. Um, I'm just gonna popcorn you for just a quick minute. A couple of things, yeah. Rem remote yeah. working, growing or growing neutral or, 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 or going backwards. I actually think neutral because just as many people as are enjoying it are also uh, really hearkening to get back together. So I think you'll see a hybrid being more accepted 
a hybrid boring being more accepted, but a lot of people are going to want to go back to work when we can back to the workplace. Uh, uh, social justice. What's where, what's the next step? I, I think this is awesome because the lid has been blown off of some things and there's some real conversation happening, but I hope that the real conversation leads to, you know, again, compassion for leaders who might not be getting it right so that we can walk together to get to the solution of policy change that everybody wants to see. I, I think that, you know, polarization and accusation never gets us to advance. And, uh, but I, but we needed to be called on things. And so that's great. But now how do we hold hands and move together? Right on. And if you have the title of your book, if you're writing the book right now about, uh, uh, you know, uh, leading an organization from the eyes of a chair, what would the title be? It's not about me. Not about me. Love it. Love Lisa, it. you wrap up. Joan, thank you. I, I could hang out with you and, you know, for, Say more. Now we're going to do one for you. I'm going to ask you all the questions. I miss you. <laughs> thank you for joining us and Thanks thank for you for our me. audience. And Lisa, you want to bring it home? Yeah. So I just wanted to ask you, we always ask at the end of our Culture Uncorked podcast happy hour for you to tell us one story about when you felt you belonged or you didn't belong in an organization or maybe just in life, a life experience. Oh, wow. You like caught me on uh, when I belonged or didn't belong. You know, it was pretty great coming back to Northwest College this spring because I had been gone for a year and there was that sense of, oh yeah, I know this, but actually we had almost a completely new executive and uh, we had a great get together, like away from the office. And we all sort of reset on what we thought we could do and the art of the possible. And I, I think that's where we all really got a sense of belonging with each other. And it wasn't about any of us individually. And it sure wasn't about me coming back. It was about how can I make all of us successful and how can we do what we need to do for Northwest? That was that was pretty special. I don't know if you remember that, Lauren, but that was really great. And I think we all, we all felt that way, Joan. I think we yeah. did. We, we left that way, feeling that way. And that's yeah. longing is a feeling for sure. Anyway, thank yeah. you so much. Thank you thank as you. always. Thanks for having me. See you guys. Thank you for listening, all you audience folks out there. Yep. See you soon. Thank all you. Right. Bye. Bye. Bye.